The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. So welcome back, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're joining. It's, it's all good. Just happy to have you here. Um, as you can probably tell from my tone of voice already on Fired Up Radio, um, I'm pretty fired up today. I've been fired up, I think, <laughs> a little more than normal for a couple weeks now. Uh, a couple reasons for that. Number one, and I'll just disclose this right up front, my wife and I are expecting a child within the next week or two, so I'm a little bit on edge, and I just wanted to, uh, to cop to that because I think this anxiety is, is driving some of this, but there's other things. I think a lot of people are, are pretty anxious right now, and we're experiencing this with our clients. Um, obviously, this downturn has been pretty impactful for a lot of people. I'm going to describe some situations that may not be different from what you're experiencing, but a couple of our clients are going through some, some issues right now that I want to unpack with our guest, and one of them is an acquisition situation, and it's squirrely. We're watching major losses of productivity, a lot of fear, a lot of people just really freaking out, shutting down, uh, not knowing what to do, and leaders not knowing what to do either. So we're going to talk about the leadership uh, responsibilities and, and how we need to lead differently in this time. Uh, on, on a positive note, and I'm fired up about this as well, I've got a guest who uh, I have a lot of admiration for that we're going to shake up the format a little bit because we're just going to talk. He and I have some fascinating conversations. We're going to illuminate some, some of the previous learnings from, from our, our guests throughout the season, but he is a fascinating guy who I'll introduce in just a minute. Um, so we're going to shift the focus a little bit uh, in this dialogue to a couple different center points. And we've talked about organizational personal success and employee engagement and a variety of different things that surround that. But today we're going to focus on a central issue around transcendence, around this piece of engagement that has to do with building profound meaning, a deep emotional connection and resonance for human beings. And if you want them to contribute inside of an organizational context towards goals, towards strategies, towards the, the issues surrounding co-creation, developing a profound emotional connection may be one of the most important things that you do. And Jonathan uh, and I have some, some tips and pointers for you along those lines. Uh, throughout the show, we are going to uh, probably slaughter a couple of sacred cows. 
we're going to talk about religious experience, we're going to talk about spirituality, we're going to get pretty out there, but we're going to also leave you with some takeaways. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest and a couple things about Jonathan as we get started. First of all, he's an artist, and like Robert Fritz last week, he's come into the world of business as an artist. Um, his art is abstract painting, and there's a variety of things that he does around that, but his paintings are both incredibly sophisticated and collected around the world. So you, you've seen his work or you've seen it in collections and heard about it. Uh, if, you're vari- if you're connected to the abstract art scene in New York, uh, so he comes into this as an artist. He's also a, a surfer and spending a decent amount of time in the water these days. Um, but as an artist and a surfer, you wouldn't uh, typically see the next piece, which is one of the most unique and, I think, uh, profound thinkers in the world of organizational communications. So coming into the world of organizational communications from brand, from operations, from strategy, from leadership, he's going to talk about all of this kind of stuff. I've also had the pleasure of running side-by-side with this cat on some big projects and uh, just a tremendous opportunity to think together, to play together, and I think you're going to be excited to hear what he's got to say. So um, without any more inflation here, Jonathan, how's that sound as an introduction? <clears throat> That's a beautiful introduction. I'm I'm really grateful to be here, and thank you for those kind words, Gordon. It means a lot. Well, it's it's fun to hang and to talk with you on air, and we're just going to uh, spend some time on, on a bunch of different topics. But as I said, we'll, we'll center this thing around transcendence, about emotional connection, about how do we engage people in, in a very personal way in the missions that we want to attempt. Um, how's that sound as a frame? Anything you want to add to the frame as we get started? It sounds great, Gordon, and maybe we just jump right in. It, I think it, uh, in framing the fact that we've worked together in the past, um, it, your introduction kind of recalls a case study that we were presenting one time at uh, a large conference in Las Vegas, and uh, when the, we were finished, it was all about engagement. And uh, we had a lot of people in the audience, uh, senior executives, say, well, I've heard a lot about employee engagement. You know, what is it? How would you define it? I've heard so many definitions. And uh, I remember that morning I was inclined to say uh, in, it, employee engagement is um, when uh, people uh, when your people want to feel a part of something larger than themselves and they feel a part of something larger than themselves that uh, actually adds meaning uh, to their life and meaning and purpose to their life. I had a lot of nods in the audience, a lot of heads nodding as a, that being a good definition and, and that working definition. And uh, then I remember saying something to the effect that that was that line was Emil Durkheim's um, definition of a religious experience. And the disconnect between how people feel about their job, per se, about the, the sort of the transactional relationship that most people have with their jobs and the faith-based and heart-based um, relationship people have with religion, um, it really exposed an enorm- a real gulf in, uh, in engagement and it, it opened up a larger conversation. So to your point about transcendence, I think that we're all looking for more, some more than others, and some more consciously than others. We're all looking for um, transcendent experiences in the course of our everyday lives, whether at work, at home, um, and you know, part of what what we're working on now with our communications and change work is is creating those kinds of structures and messages within organizations that that, that allow people to latch onto that and to and to feel uh, different and, and somewhat transcendent. So. So I'm, I'm right and with you on that. And you take some of these lessons, yeah, and you take some of these lessons from your art and, and in poetry and, and other 
artistic realms. So tell us about how this transitions, and we're going to take a, a short break after you, again, frame this conversation as we get into it. Well, yeah, I'm, I think uh, part of what led up to our discussion today was I was, I was sharing with you that uh, I'm working on an article for a learned journal here in New York about structures of transcendence. And uh, what are structures of transcendence? Well, they've been thought about more critically in areas like art and in music and in poetry than they have, per se, in organizational environments. So um, we have things like the golden mean that, that are you know, frequently occurring in nature. We have, um, in, in art, we have Bauhaus thinkers like Johannes Itten who have focused on the, relationship, the transcendent relationship between certain color structures. We have people like, critics like Lawler who have really just deconstructed um, poetry and thought about what arrangements of words and arrangements of sounds actually unlock something larger in ourselves, and certainly music, where there's been a lot of work done in transcendent structures of notes and arrangements, whether it be a Mozart and Beethoven or, or anybody. But um, what, what organizational structures can be said to offer that or, or offer some sort of a transcendent experience? So it got us to thinking about what are those sort of timeless structures that allow people to feel above and beyond the everyday experience. And um, in the course of that inquiry, what we came back to was the basic human emotions. I mean, it's really kind of a it's kind of you know getting your answer by going back to the beginning and saying what are we all really looking for in our in our interaction we're looking for we're looking to be involved we're looking to be respected we're looking to be appreciated these really basic kinds of emotions are truly where when we do focus groups with large organizations throughout the world whether people are you know are in you know in Europe or in the United States or South America what are we hearing back about the transcendent experiences they're those experiences that speak to those elementally human aspects of relationships that, that, that are meaningful to us all. So um, how, how do we go about structuring them? It would seem really simple, but to your point, lots of organizations, particularly at this moment, uh, have a lot of insecurity and um, a lot of um, questions about how to move forward. So why don't we talk about the conflict between the two, and, and we talked about this with Robert Fritz the other day, is is structural conflict. So kindness, generosity, involvement, these are things that we want to do. I mean, these are things that we feel good about, that as, as leaders, uh, we know that these are the right things to do, but what's in conflict? What are, what's holding us back? So we're going to take a short break and talk about how do we unlock the, the creativity, the flow of energy, uh, the possibilities in organizations by understanding these structural conflicts. So stay with us. We'll be back in two minutes with Jonathan Willard. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. 
Hey, affiliates, do you find it a challenge monetizing traffic from the UK, France, or India? You need offers that will appeal to all of your visitors, no matter where they come from. AdsMarket.com has met this challenge and has turned it into a science. AdsMarket.com gets results for publishers and advertisers with a winning formula. The combination of offers, worldwide traffic, and AdsMarket's up-close and personal media management is exactly the boost needed to monetize international audiences. AdsMarket.com, the science of performance. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with Jonathan and we're talking about structures of transcendence and, and we're um, taking a lot of lessons from other fields, but let's talk about the conflict that exists, and, and let's talk about the leader's role for a minute. I imagine, and you've been in this game for a long time, and, and the world is different now, and the world is always going to be different, but there is a moment in time that we're in, and I believe this moment of time, it's a new territory that requires a new way of thinking. So when you're talking to leaders, or if you're in the shoes of a leader right now, what should you be thinking about uh, from a leadership perspective, what are the essential qualities of leadership in this time that are going to unblock some of these conflicts and open up transcendent or, or meaningful experiences for people? Well, you know, I, I think it's, what's fascinating about the moment we're living in is that it, it's truly cataclysmic across so many different lines of society. And by cataclysmic, I, I don't mean necessarily good or bad. It's just there's an enormous change taking place right now. I had an experience um, a few months ago doing some advisory work for an investment bank in New York, and the, the, it's a small, it's a private equity group, and they do a lot. They look for industries that are in flux or in transition, and look to make investments in those industries. And um, Frankly, the, the head of the company said to me, well, you know, the problem now is every industry is in flux. Every industry is experiencing, you know, a step change in the way they do business. So for us, that's almost the challenge is that there's opportunity everywhere. So coming back to your question about leadership in this kind of an environment, I really find it fascinating to, to look to the American president at the moment. I think that Barack Obama, in many respects, is a case study in leadership for uncertain moments. And when you say what kinds of qualities should leaders be thinking about and looking towards, I think what's fascinating about Obama and I think what would you know, hold a lot of currency in a lot of large organization and corporate environments is the fact that here's a fellow who's coming at his role, which is an exalted role, but coming at it from a point of extreme humility. Uh, here's a president who periodically will refer to himself as a mutt or as a commonplace person who appreciates the role of the rank-and-file American in actually changing society. And when you think about um, so the way uh, CEOs have run large organizations throughout the years, they've been rather patrician 
Um, there have been sort of monarchies, and we still see the remnants of that. In fact, a lot of the way today's organizations are structured are really, in fact, the legacy of um, you know an industrial age, early 20th century model that really, in the information age, is, is not entirely applicable anymore. So today's leader needs to realize that the rules of yesterday are, are really, uh, they're over. Um, there are, you know, there's basics to running a business and, and management, but, I mean, we're differentiating management and leadership. And when I think about the results of um, some of the larger um, engagement studies or workforce studies that have been done by the uh, Towers, Parents, and Gallops of the world, you know, what we're seeing again and again is terrible scores for leaders on their ability to inspire, for their ability to motivate. And uh, I, I think really good leaders today are putting an awful lot of time, an awful lot of thought in the way they communicate and the way they motivate and their ability to sort of um, communicate to their employees a degree of empathy, a degree of caring, even in uncertain times, uh, an ability to see the world through the eyes of the employee and raise them up and make them feel better about themselves by virtue of the leader that's, you know, that's installed in the, in the leadership office. So. Well, there's an interesting kind of dynamic, and it goes back to what Robert Fritz talked about last week, that with expansion comes contraction and these structural conflicts, again, if I can bring this back. So we see some leaders able to inspire, and look at the John Chambers article that came out uh, earlier this year in Fast Company, decentralizing creativity, decentralizing innovation, decentralizing decision-making. This is a lot of what needs to happen right now in this new paradigm, and you're seeing more and more movements, and C.K. Prahlhaut talked about this in the new age of innovation, that we need to look for ideas and concepts and new processes, both inside of the organization and even from our customers. So it's moving further and further away from a com command and control model, as you're describing. But then there's the conflict, right? With that kind of expansion comes the fear, profound fear of loss of control. So you have leaders trying to hold on when they're trying to let go. And when those two things are happening simultaneously, it's an incredibly jarring experience, and this is what I'm watching with our clients right now, for many of the senior executives, the vice presidents, the directors, those couple layers down, getting this kind of charge ahead sort of uh, dictate, and then at the same time, pull it back. We're not ready for this. Are, are you experiencing or, or observing with some of your clients this kind of expansion and decentralization, moving back to centralization, or just fear at the leadership level that, that there's a loss of control in this new model. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's true of leadership, and I think communications is sort, of, um, is sort of the epicenter of that. I mean, we talk, uh, we're constantly hearing in the news about all sorts of new forms of communication, be they blogs or wikis or, um, you know, chats, and, uh, and which aren't even so new anymore, chat and things of that nature. But I have, we've had a lot of clients in recent years um, pull back on those things. Uh, their legal departments will say, well, that's great, but you can't have that, that blog set up because if that employee says something to a customer on the, on the, in the blog, uh, that's a promise that we're making to the employee. So it's a great example of how the, the communications uh, universe and spectrum is expanding and the modalities for, uh, you know, in the medium for, for communicating are expanding, and yet, um, you know, our organizations and our hierarchies and our rules, if you will, 
uh, sort of have pulled back on them. So I've had a lot of people pull back on that. A lot of organizations have said in the recent years, hey, that's a great idea, and we're looking forward to using these tools, but we're not really re- ready to wade into that water yet. So absolutely, communications is a great, is a great uh, example of where that contraction is taking place. From a leadership perspective, I, I just want to come back to it, though. Um, the sort of the, the, the imperial leadership model, the Jack Welch model, um, the paternalistic form of leader, that model has, has, been, has been pretty much decimated. Um, I think that, you know, and I'm not saying that won't come back, and, you know, as, as we've learned from history, things repeat, but uh, right now I think that the, the, the kinds of leaders that are going to succeed in today's organization at this moment are those kinds of leaders that have the ability to empower the wider organization, to make, uh, to really, to, to involve more people. There's only so much a leader can do. There's so many points of communication and interaction within today's organization that, you know, really leaders' ability to lift people up and get them engaged and, and unlock that discretionary effort that we hear so much about in engagement discussions. I mean, that's really what, it, to me, that's really what it's all about. Well, this brings up, I think, the, the central point here. Um, you know, if, if this is the new model of leadership and that old model is decimated, I think probably, as Robert Fritz outlined, eight out of ten leaders aren't up to speed on that. So if the model is dead, you've got to tell a lot of Fortune 500 CEOs that what they're doing is, is the old model. And he said, you know, it's probably about eight out of ten based on a different study. Um, so I, I agree with you that there is a new model that's emerging. I think there's only a handful of leaders that are, are ready for that. So let's get to the very core. If you want to talk about the epicenter, I think communications is an expression of, rather than the epicenter of this issue, which is the ultimate structure, which is the identity, the leadership ego, or the identity of the, of the organization, the identity you could call the culture, the kind of how you define yourself. But how these leaders you know, yeah, are you know, Gordon, that's a really interesting point. Let's definitely take that on. But before we jump past that, because you raised a really interesting point there, I think you're right. And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of like rolling back in my head of the, 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 the CEOs at uh, Fortune 1000 companies that I've been with in the last few years. And you're right. I think a lot of them do fit that older model. But I think, and I tell me if you agree with this, I think if I think about people that are in that next echelon, that, that top five or six or ten people in the company, I could think of in each company that I've dealt with, at least two or three people sort of waiting in the wings kind of leaders that embody the kinds of principles and models of leadership that you and I are talking about now. And what's interesting about that is it really, again, I hate to bring it back to it, but it does parallel the, the last American election because, really, if you think about it, we had two kind of old-school leaders um, running. That was who we expected was going to be the race, it was going to be Clinton against um, McCain. And really, Obama kind of leapfrogged, right? It was, that, was a, that was the thing. He sort of got out, he took, he got out of turn. It wasn't his turn to be leader. But he kind of leapfrogged out of it because he felt like this was the right opportunity for him. I think that's what we're going we're gonna to see more and more in organizations. I think we're going to see more and more organizations coming to the realization that inst- installing somebody else who, who behaves just like the leaders before us behave is not the right model. It's really going to be incumbent on boards and, and those in, that in, you know, in positions of decision-making and leadership 
leadership decision making to um, to be that bold to, to to bring in those new kind of leaders. But um, you're right. I think you're right about who's in who's in office right now. If you want to say eight out of ten or seven out of ten, to be even a little more generous. But I do believe there that next generation of CEO is is right there waiting in the wings to uh, to jump in, and it's going to be exciting when that next generation of leader gets gets on board. You know, I have seen that as well, and I, I think you're onto something here. I think there is a next generation that is waiting in the wings, and I'm thinking in my Rolodex of, of our clients and who I see at this vice president level or SVP level that are the up-and-comers, and they do have these qualities. What's going to be fascinating for us, Jonathan, is if when they get those positions, they're able to hold on to that sensibility, or yeah. will this new power um, corrupt as it has in the past, or create a new sense of responsibility, or is that overarching structure, the identity of the organization, going to be an overpowering um, structure for them to deal with and for them to, to fold some of their values or their ideals uh, into just the way it works here at this company. This is just the way it is here. Um, so that's going to be a fascinating thing, and I'll join you on the Obama thing. I think this has been one of the most fascinating models of leadership that we've ever seen. And from a communications perspective, one of the things that I found to be uh, one of the great lessons learned for us is the rhythm that he has created. I mean, he is online every single week giving the updates. He is creating uh, confidence. As Jeffrey Saltzman uh, talked about several weeks ago, he talked about Obama quite a bit as well. And, and his model, and this is where Connexa is moving with their instrument, is in measuring confidence. And confidence versus the index of trust at the great place to work um, or the index of engagement, which is Gallup going to. And you see this new instrument, Gratitude, which I want to talk to you about as well if we have time today. Um, so which is the best instrument? Which is going to be the, the leverage point that's most meaningful? Who knows? But this idea of confidence that Obama is instilling, which everybody wants right now, a sense that they are part of something that is going somewhere and that they're, they're going to grow and be a part of that. Um, and Obama does that every week, is instilling more and more confidence, showing us what is happening, trusting the rhythm that he is going to be there, he is going to give us these updates, and everything that he's saying in these powerful words are giving a sense that we're on the right track. Um, so from a communications perspective, what, what are some other – actually, you know what? We've got to take a short break. I'm getting a word from our producer. We're going to come right back. This is a great conversation. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about in these last 10 minutes, but uh, hang with us, folks. We'll be back in two minutes after the short break. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. Inboxed, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with Jonathan, and we only have a couple minutes left and a lot of stuff to cover here. Um, but we're talking about Obama. We're talking about this new model of leadership, uh, the issues of leadership ego and these overarching structures. So, you know, of the many things to respond to here, Jonathan, with these last couple minutes left, how do we start getting some lessons learned and some takeaways for our listeners? You know, Gordon, uh, one of the things that really struck me, again, I, you know, you said earlier, you know, I've had a chance to work together. And uh, one of the things that I find that um, proactive leaders are using right now are a lot of the communications maps that we, that we had worked together. When we, you had sort of uh, pioneered at Bonfire, and uh, we'd worked with at Bonfire. I think that um, leaders becoming more thoughtful about the way they communicate with different audiences, the way they connect with different constituencies. This is something that I'm hearing over and over again from, from uh, leaders and organizations, is, is, the, is the need to understand the variety of different constituencies, the re- reality that it's not a one-size-fits-all form of communication with the organization. It's something that's been sort of bubbling up now for years, but I'm really feeling that in this environment, what, what people are realizing is that, you know, the people that perhaps are, you know, have our pensions with the organization are looking for one sort of message. And the people that are just starting out that we're recruiting from college are looking for another sort of message. And those that we may be hiring into engineering are looking for something else from the organization. So um, understanding that there are sort of these overarching messages that are meaningful to all constituencies, but understanding what people are looking for and what needs to be communicated. I think, I think that, that form of mapping, you know, and I, you and I always discussed it, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint. And in many respects, you really shouldn't engage in a large organizational conversation, be it, be it change-oriented or performance improvement-oriented, until you've really thought about the map for that organization and what you're looking to build. So I think that's a really important uh, ingredient to inject into the leadership discussion is, is really mapping the communication structure. And as you talk about these maps, just to illuminate for listeners, um, this notion of audience-centric communications, that's at least the way that we frame it here, understanding who your unique audiences are, what their needs are, their desires, their dreams, their concerns, what wakes them up in the middle of the night. Um, These are the things that we need to understand as leaders so we can contextualize our message, that we're not continually talking from our own point of view. And that's where, again, I want to come back and forth 
to this inner work, outer work sort of dynamic. And until we understand ourselves, until we have uh, the time and the willingness to reflect, how are we being right now? Is this fully expressing my point of view, or do I understand the context that I'm living in? Um, We really do need to help leaders today take that moment of self-reflection and to understand where they're coming from, where their fears are getting in the way, where control is going to be an overarching desire that they have, but limit the effectiveness of their organizations and understand the context with their audiences. So audience-centric mapping, understanding these different constituents, making sure that you have that moment of reflection so you're not just projecting your own stuff, that's a key takeaway. But there's a couple things that you also share with me on, on our previous calls that I want to close up for our listeners. And we might just need to do this again. I might just, uh, if it's okay with you, Jonathan, have you back to, to do a second parter here because there's just a lot more to cover. Is that cool with you? That would be my pleasure. Um, cool. So we don't need to cover everything here. But the idea of storytelling, let's just close on this issue as well. And when we're talking about mapping, creating this blueprint of different needs, the, the power of story here, and when we're talking about our identity systems, our egos, are fundamentally stories that we've told ourselves and stories that we've told our organizations about who we are that come from how we affirm and what structures we create end up being our culture. So what, what's the takeaway around storytelling that we'll spend more time on another episode on, but if you can weave that together for some, some things that they can think about or do differently this week. Well, uh, I think everyone realizes that we our first learning in life is through stories. That's how that we're, you know, we're, we're in kindergarten. We, lear, we, we, we learn to learn through stories. And one of the really fascinating parts of the work that we do, you know, we always discuss the anthropological component to our work. So whether, you know, we're, we're working for a leader in a merger and acquisition environment or whether it's in a, a large-scale uh, communication strategy or an empl- uh, employee engagement program for a global organization, you know, we get the opportunity to go out uh, and, and speak with focus groups and, 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 you know, across the organization at all levels. And when you ask people about the organization, when people are really giving you meaningful uh, playback and meaningful uh, take on, on the organization, they're telling you stories. Uh, when, the, when the audiences are uh, sharing with you that which is a meaningful part of their job, they're, they're telling you stories. And so understanding that people live through stories and that leaders are really, at the end of the day, storytellers. Again, it's fascinating when the head of the Federal Reserve makes uh, tells a story, if you will, to Wall Street. Markets go up. Um, when the president tells a story to the world about his the, the country's relationship with another country, uh, relations warm or they cool. And when a leader uh, reaches out to an organization and tells the organization that they're doing well or they're not doing well or um, you know, the future is bright or the future is dim or whatever the case may be. People live through those stories. They take them home. And I think one of the things you, I think you'd agree, based on our experience, that oftentimes leaders do not think enough about that component of it. I could think of an experience you and I shared with a large multinational that we were working with uh, where the number four individual in the company had started off as a, as a cook in one of the, uh, the restaurants. He had, had a high school high school education, he started as a cook, and now he was the number four person at this very, very wealthy multinational. And we said, that's a great story. That's a fantastic story. Everybody who's a line worker at this organization would, would benefit from knowing that story and knowing that if they really give their lives to this organization, they could actually move up to that level. And leadership said to us, well, why would we do Everybody knows that story. 
That's, that's widely known. Everyone knows where this fellow started. And when we went out and did focus groups, we realized there's nobody knew that story. So, again, it's, the, it's leadership getting past the ivory tower of the corporate office and, and, see, and recognizing how people live and, and re- realizing what the organization knows and what they don't know and, uh, and really building the kind of stories that are meaningful for people to want to be involved with and want to be engaged with. Uh, I... I... I'm so aligned with this last point, and again, it's kind of a pain for me right now with one of our clients. Perfect situation here. The story that we've built after a lot of focus groups and strategy sessions, I mean, a whole group of us um, came up with an understanding of what would connect with the organization right now and move them, propel them to the next level. And the CEO decided that that story really isn't the story that he wants to tell. The story that he wants to tell is about how he can operationally outperform his peers. He wanted to tell a story to mostly a blue-collar environment that, you know, what's going to rally this company together is more operational effectiveness. I can't tell you what what this did to me when I heard this. And and the story that we built about opportunity and about getting closer to our purpose uh, of being better for families out in the world. I mean, there's a whole thing, and I can't expose the client or the situation here in, in any more detail, but this is the kind of thing that you're talking about. The story has to connect to the aspirations or values of the people that you want to inspire, that you want people to, at the end of the day, do something or think about something differently. Absolutely. And, and you know, as you, as you know, organizations are really, they're cybernetic, they're self-guiding entities. And so we spend a lot of time talking in, our, in the storytelling work that we do around creating authentic stories, creating stories that really resonate with the reality of the organization. So I could think of clients that I've had, particularly in the consumer packaged goods world, that were really operationally sophisticated organizations that, that performed simple, that, that performed tasks like uh, warehouse and logistics at a level that nobody else could perform them at. They stood out, and they took great pride in those those attributes. And frankly, they were differentiators in a consumer packaged goods world where, you know, your profit mounts to pennies on a a product. But that that story made them proud. That story resonated there, and that story was a differentiator and attracted the kinds of talent that organization was looking to bring in. Now, if I tried to spin that, if we tried to spin that story or bring that story to, let's say, a highly branded organization, maybe a luxury goods manufacturer, maybe that wouldn't work. Maybe that wouldn't that would that wouldn't accomplish what they need to. So we spent a lot. I mean, the, we could have an entire conversation around authenticity, which, which, as you know, is a, really is a philosophical concept. Um, but I, I find more and more organizations calling us in and, and saying, you know, we need we need to be authentic in what we're communicating. In fact, there was a terrific paper. Uh, published by the Arthur Page Society on the authentic organization being, the, you know, the calling card for great companies in the next uh, five to ten years. So, uh, storytelling, authentic stories. This is really where there's great work to be done, and really uh, where leadership needs to be devoting a lot of its time. I think you would agree, and most would agree, that the management structure in most organizations is rather solid. It's the leadership component that's really failing. So much to talk about here. And uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we are going to pick this up again. We have in the coming weeks, we have Art Kleiner, who wrote a terrific book, Who Matters Most. Um, We also have Daniel Goldman coming on from Emotional Intelligence and Social Intelligence in the coming weeks. But we're going to have you back as soon as possible, Jonathan, as we close here. Anything you want to plug? Well, let's see. there's a whole, I, you know, I'm a little bit uh, embarrassed to, to do all that plugging. I've got a couple of articles coming out um, in different journals. Um, 
uh, on these structures of transcending comments. Um, recently published some some work on uh, internal communications um, in HR Management Magazine. Uh, all of them are available online. You can just Google my name. And um, I just know I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you, Gordon, and uh, excited to continue this discussion. Uh, I'm glad to have you. Looking forward to the next one. Um, also, in terms of people finding your art, is it JonathanWillard.com? JonathanWillard.com, correct, yes. Okay, so check out Jonathan, JonathanWillard.com to see his art. Google him to find his some articles. Uh, we're going to pick up this conversation again. Thank you, folks, at Webmaster Radio. And check us out at uh, Twitter.com forward slash Fired Up Radio. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. <laughs>